Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we could meet you at any moment, at any point, because you are always with us, Lord. So help us meet you as we continue in your word. Lord, thank you that you've met us in a time of praise and thanksgiving. Let your word get in our hearts, Lord. Thank you that you meet us there. But Lord, thank you again that we get to come to your table and meet you in the breaking of the bread. That you're made present in our lives. And Lord, we want to know you in a new way today so that we could leave different from the way we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last couple of weeks, we've had uh, scripture verses going through Matthew and Matthew's gospel, and there's really a faith theme that was going on from the feeding of the 5,000 plus to um, last week, uh, the Canaanite woman who Jesus encounters, and where at the end of that, Jesus says, great is your faith to her, which translates that word in the Greek, if uh, you remember, it talks about that great, it's megas, which is mega faith. Mega is your faith. And uh, I believe he wasn't just speaking that to her and, and the belief of her persistence in faith, but he was also speaking that to his disciples to prepare them for what's to come. That what is your faith going to be like in this journey of what I'm preparing you for? And Jesus continues with his disciples, and he continues through this process. And we come to Matthew chapter 16 today, uh, and uh, verse 13. And he's gathered his disciples still with him, and these are still teachable moments. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say? What Jesus is asking his disciples, he's saying, What's the word on the street, guys? What's going on? What have you heard about me? What are they saying about me? In other words, Jesus is saying, let me ask you a question. How many likes do I have on Facebook? How, what, is, what does my Instagram account look like? How are we doing? What's the viewership on YouTube? Are we killing it yet or what? What are they saying? What's the word out there? What are people doing out there? And, and he's looking for what, what they're hearing, but he's, he's doing more of a work inside the heart of his disciples. And, of course, there is the response from the disciples in verse 14. And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And the disciples' response immediately speaks of the popularity of Jesus, the popularity of this movement, that something is happening. But all they did was report the good news. They forgot to mention when he was accused of being Satan himself, for driving out demons. They didn't bring up those parts. They just, you know, when you get before your leader, you know, you don't want to give him the bad news. Here's all the good news. The good news is that they're liking you to one of the prophets of old, that there's something unique, something different about you that, that many are gathering and many are following. And, 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 and there's a popularity in the midst of all that's going on. But here's what we need to be reminded. Jesus didn't come to be popular. He came to redeem that which was lost. That's why he came. He would not be disappointed with zero likes on Instagram. He'd be okay with that. It's more inclined if it was just for one of us to come to the saving knowledge of who he is, all of heaven would rejoice. That, that response of why he came. Then Jesus turns again to his disciples in verse 15, and he asks them a question. He says, but who do you say that I am? Never mind what they're saying out there. Never mind 
what's going on, never mind what you're reading about, never mind all those things out in the world. Who do you say that I am? If Jesus was from Pittsburgh, my wife's from outside of Pittsburgh, he would ask the question, who do yuns say that I am? That's what they say in Pittsburgh. If you're from the South, will you all, will you all say that I am? Again, I'm kind of liking to think that Jesus was more of a New Yorker, and he would have said, what do you guys say that I am? What do you guys saying? That he's proposing this question. This is the most important question in all of humanity. And there's only one right answer to this question. The question we have to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus? Who is he? Not, not what do my parents think about him. Not, not what is my friends, my neighbors. It's a personal question to each of us. And he's proposing it to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? What, how, how do you answer that question? It becomes incredibly personal. And because we serve a personal God who calls us to that personal relationship. And of course, Simon Peter, I think with an excitement and with a joy and with a stirring in his heart, has the response in verse 16. And I think he blurted it out. I think he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He wasn't looking down like, um, maybe you're the Christ, uh, not sure, the son of the living God, something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, he was answering from his heart. That was a response from his heart that, that it came forward. The question was proposed to all 12 of the disciples, but Peter was the one, the first one to respond. He says, you are the Christ. And that Christ, that interpretation or, or that translation from Greek is Christos. And Christos is the anointed one. That he makes this, this statement, you are the Christ, the anointed one. I know many might think that if Jesus went down to the DMV and was getting his driver's license, his first name would be Jesus and his last name would be Christ. But that's not true. That Christ is the anointed one. Jesus is, he saves, the one who came to save us. And here's this anointed one. And Peter makes this proclamation, this declaration of who he is. Until now, no one declared Jesus as the Christ. No one declared that he would be in the Hebrew, the Messiah. No one declared he's the anointed one. But here, um, it, it, it was a move in, in Peter's heart of declaring that. And we all have to come to that moment in our life, in this journey, that, that personal revelation to who Jesus is. That, that it's, it's something that we have to know in our heart. That man didn't convince us of who he is, but it can only be shown to us by God. That's what the scripture said, that Jesus said, Blessed are you, Peter. Man didn't reveal that to you that my father did. That this was a revelation that you came to this understanding. That, that it wasn't all those around you that convinced you to be true. It wasn't your parents telling you over and over again, you need to believe, you need to believe, you need to believe. Or those driving home and giving that information. Now, mind you, parents, don't give up. Tell them, you need to believe, you need to believe, you need to believe. Because we're sowing seeds in the kingdom of God in their lives. That we're training them in the way that they should go and they will not depart from us. It's a promise. But it has to be a revelation. And if you're a young adult, you need to have that revealed to you in your life, and you need to respond to that and have your own revelation of who Jesus is. If you're an older person, you need to respond. It doesn't matter of the age, but we need to respond to that question. And here's the truth. The journey of a Christian's life is through this. It's first revelation, 
Then it's transformation. And third is participation. That's the journey of the Christian life. We come to revelation of who Christ is. And, and we're declaring in that revelation that we are a Christian. Which means I am a Christ follower. If you have that revelation, that's what you're declaring. I'm a Christian. And I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. And I'm a Christ follower. That's the response. Now Paul wrote in Romans to the church based on those who responded that way, that had that revelation. And we read in Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, because we were shown the mercy of God, our only response is to offer ourselves Back to God as a living sacrifice. That's the response. He didn't hold back from us. Why would we hold back from him? That we offer ourselves back. That's, that's the joy of, of having that revelation in our life and that we, we know what he, we were shown mercy. That means we didn't get what we deserve. Amen? amen. Man, I get to it. Amen. I didn't get what I deserve. You know, that's like going to school and failing the test, and the teacher goes, I'll give you an A anyway. Woo! That we understand what that means. And it's far greater than that, because this has eternal understanding. And Paul goes on to, to explain to the church, and he says, and listen, do not be conformed to this world. Church, that's still relevant 2,000 years later. Hear me. Do not be conformed to this world. I want to get a banner made as a reminder, probably for me. Do not be conformed. But he says, listen, be transformed. But be transformed by what, church? The renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. That, that we're a new creation in Christ. And when we become that new creation, that transformation, that we come from the things of the world and we begin to put our hearts towards the things of Christ, this transformation happens. It's a renewal of our mind is beginning. Our mind is being transformed. And the Lord's perfect will for our life is to no longer be conformed to the ways of the world. That's his will for you. Not to be conformed to the ways of the world. But here's what we're to do. You're to put on the mind of Christ. That's the change. That's the transformation. You have a revelation of who he is, then a transformation, a renewal of the mind that we're changed. We're no longer conformed to the ways of the world, but we're conformed to the ways of a king. And the only way to be a Christian, a Christ follower, follower is to be lived out through the life of the church. That's how it's lived out. And the third part is participation. You need to participate in your faith. There's a revelation, there's a transformation, then we're called to a place of participation. The church is God's plan to make his kingdom visible on earth. You're sitting here because before you was a church or someone who went before you and as a result made God's kingdom visible in your life. And that's the continual call of the work of the church to make God's kingdom visible. See, the church is three things. The church is the heart the hands and the feet of Christ to the world. That's the church. The heart is we love others with the same love that Christ has shown us. 
The hands are we serve others just as Christ has served us. The feet, we carry the message of the gospel wherever we go. That we're reminded that Jesus is the head of the church. He is the rock in which the church is built. And the promise is the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Say that's good news. Amen? Amen. The victory is His. What He did, what He endured, that He went to a cross, He suffered, died, and was buried. And here's the victory that the gates of hell should not prevail. On the third day He rose again. And He conquered death once and for all. Why? So that we can have an eternal life with Him. That we'd be shown this grace, His mercy, that He's made that way and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus gives His church wisdom, authority, and power. And that we're to carry that out and we're to live that out, that gospel message out. The church is beyond a building in which we gather. It's I've been saying that for a while now. It's beyond just a building. For some reason, I think we have in our minds, like, uh, I came to church, I did church on Sunday, now I'm done. I'll see you next Sunday. But the church is to be made visible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It goes beyond the four walls. Four walls. That we're called, and, and we call to gather on the Sabbath to be set apart. And this is the place where we gather on that Sabbath, and we celebrate the Sabbath together. And this is the place where the sacraments are lived out with one another. And that's important for us to do, but it goes beyond that. The church is an assembly of God's people, and that's what we're called to be. That assembly, it's literally a community in Christ. That's the church, a community as it comes together, that we would understand that. And a year ago, we launched Communities in Christ. It was a year ago, September. And the Lord called us to begin our small group movement through Communities in Christ. That, that what we were going to do is gather, and uh, we were going to gather for prayer, fellowship, and service. And we would begin to meet, and we'd begin to pray, and begin to fellowship, and begin to serve our communities. Our mission is to be the church by bringing, bringing Christ to our communities. That means when I leave here, I didn't just leave Jesus at the church, that Jesus went with me where I went. Back into my home, back into my community. We gather to grow stronger in that relationship with Christ. We gather to grow stronger in that relationship with one another. That's what the communities in Christ are. The communities in Christ were called to be the church. The church is the hands, the feet, and the heart of Christ. To bring Christ into our communities. That's what it looks like. And that's what the Lord has begun to show us. And one of the groups right now that have been meeting uh, is in Valley Stream. And I've asked one of the leaders, who's Sharon Marfan, to come. And she's going to share a little testimony about what the Lord has been doing in their communities in Christ. Come on up, Sharon. Good morning. You know, I did this last night, and I was fine until I re got up here, and then all the nerves took over. <laughs> so just bear with me today. Um, as, as I said, my name is Sharon Marfin, and I am one of the leaders of one of the Value Stream Communities in Christ group, along with Audrey and Brian Carrot. Our group started meeting in October of 2019, and, and at our first meeting, there were just three of us. 
Now we are a group of 10. But after seeking the Lord's guidance as a group, we believe the Lord put on our hearts that we needed to reach out to our local first responders in our community, that the fire department, the local police department, etc. We knew we wanted to take something to them to show our appreciation and to just tell them that we thank them for their service. So at one of our meetings, someone suggested maybe we should have some cooked meals and take to that. But then someone else said, I think they cook better than us. So we better forget that. So as a group, we decided to take a Dunkin' Donut gift cards. In December of 2019, three of us from our group visited our local fire department. What was surprising on that visit is that when we got to their doors, you know what a fire department place looks like, the doors were down. So we pressed the buzzer and they just opened up the doors. We went up the steps and into the main area. And then we asked them how come they just opened up the door without inquiring who we were. They looked at each other and they said, oh, we thought it was one of our buddies. But we introduced ourselves to them and told them we were praying for them. And we wanted to show our appreciation and thank them for their services. Then COVID hit, but we still kept meeting through Zoom. The next outreach the Lord put upon our hearts was to visit a local food pantry in Valley Stream called House of Hope. And during this time as the group met, we prayed for God's timing and guidance. And then on June 11th, as a group, we went to the House of Hope and donated goods. But on that day, while some of us were speaking with the director, one of our members you know, took the bags into the food pantry. And one of the workers there just called her aside and said to her, look, our food supply was going down, it was getting low, and your guys showed up just in time. Then we knew also that we wanted to visit the local precinct, which is our, the fifth precinct in our district. But with everything that was happening, social unrest, we know we needed to pray and seek God guidance on this. And honestly, we did not know what to expect, but we know God was sending us there. We did not know where, how we were going to be greeted, but we went anyway. Two weeks ago, eight of us from our group went to the fifth precinct. And as Father Brett mentioned a few weeks ago, or the last two, three weeks, faith allows us to participate in God's supernatural power. Great faith takes persistence. Faith makes miracles happen. And we saw that before in our very eyes when we went to that precinct. Immediately, as they buzzed us in, four of the officers stood up immediately, and we were warmly greeted. If I, I did not know before, I knew then that the Holy Spirit was definitely present. I introduced, I introduced the group to the four officers, 
and explain to them who we were. A small group, Valley Stream Communities in Christ group, an extension of our senior pastor vision of having CIC groups in every zip code in Long Island and Queens. We told them we just wanted to show them our appreciation and thank them for their services. We took two thank you cards. We had the, in the, the Church of the Intercessor cards in each card. A letter with the CIC logo explaining CIC. And of course, two gift cards from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> One of the officers Officer Balson shared how grateful they are and that people have been coming to let them know this. And while we were there, and we were there for a while, two people buzzed the door also. But one of the female, the female officers said to us, you guys stay here, I'm gonna go outside and deal with them. Who does that but God? Audrey then asked Officer Balson, how can we pray with them? The officer then shared a couple of specific prayer requests, and you could have felt his burden. But one, was, one that was very hard for him to share was that a couple of the cops and their families have been, are being threatened for their lives. And it was very scary, and it is very hard. I then prayed right there in the lobby at the front desk. And the Holy Spirit was so present. You could have felt it was almost tangible. Officer Balson seemed to be very touched by it all. And as Brian reminded me last week, his exact words after we prayed for him, how profound this was. Officer Balson also said to us that we can come by anytime. And I said to him, oh, it's an open door policy. We'll be back, and we are going back in the next couple of weeks. He took our contact information to pass it on to their community coordinator. Our God is great. And when he tells us to go, we should not be concerned or fearful because he has already opened the door for us. We just have to walk through it. God bless you guys. Thank you so much, Sharon. <clears throat> when the Lord spoke to us about getting a church outside the four walls, part of that was that Intercessors is a regional church. We represent 70 zip codes uh, throughout Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Brooklyn. So the Lord wanted to do something with that. And, and how do we make the church visible outside Sunday? Well, he's called us to gather. When he brought his disciples together, he, that he was calling them as the assembly to come together with one another for that same purpose, to pray, for prayer, for fellowship, and then how they'll serve those around them and where they're called. And that's what the Lord's calling us to do as a body of Christ, to continue that work. We, we gather in those communities, and if we gather that way, we'll grow stronger by building stronger families. We'll grow stronger in the Lord, we'll build stronger families as a result, and we'll build stronger communities as a result of doing that. So here's how we respond in that way. That, that you can get involved, you can sign up, you could say, I want to lead one in my community. 
um, I want to host one. I want to get involved with one. You can go outside when you leave in the lobby. There's kiosks. You could sign up. You can go to the app. You can go on our website. Some new groups will be gearing up in September. But my vision is for the whole church to participate in a way I think that will ch just change the culture around us one home at a time as a result of bringing Christ back into our communities. So that's a way that you can begin and get involved. And I hope that all of us will, will, will do that. We'll, we'll get involved because it comes back to this. Jesus asked his disciples a question. Who do you say that I am? And you got to answer it. If you answer it, it's a revelation. And then you begin to walk with him, there's transformation. And then the third is participation. That we're all called to participate in his kingdom and make his kingdom visible. And he's calling us to do that. Now, just want you to close your eyes a minute. And if you're here and you haven't answered that question in your life, or you're watching right now from home and, or wherever you might be, and you haven't answered that, quite, that question, Jesus is asking you that question right now. It's personal. He's saying, who do you say that I am? And if you want to say he is the Christ, you've got to ask him. You've got to proclaim it in your life to know him that way. And I want to give you an invitation to pray with me so that he'll reveal yourself, himself that way, that you'll surrender whatever's going on and let him in your life that way, to know him in that way. So if you want to pray with me to know him that way, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart. I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now if you prayed that in person here now or you're watching at home, there's a button that comes up and says that I, I prayed that or you're here now and you've prayed that way. What we want to do is now help you in that transformation, that journey part of discipleship. We want to come alongside of you and help you grow so that you can move in that participation part. So please let myself, one of the clergy, one of the ushers, let us know, hey, I prayed that today. We're going to help you on that journey. If you're online, let us know. We're going to help you with that uh, journey, with that new relationship with who Christ is. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.